to Overboost 21. Overboost is a podcast interview series featuring discussions with speedrunners about their history in speedrunning and gaming and the runs they're passionate about. I am your host, PMC Trilogy. Uh, with me today is Amber. Amber, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me on the show. I always like to start these off with some some recent events. And uh, recently, you did something I thought was really cool, which was that you were featured in an Ars Technica video about, uh, I guess, the it was the SNES uh, Rainbow Road Track uh, in Mario oh, Kart yeah. 8 DX. And I yeah. was curious how that came together. Was Were you a part of a group that pitched that to Ars, or did, Ars, did a writer at Ars reach out to you? So the way that the connection with Ars Technica happened was through um, Author Blues, actually. So they Ars Technica had um, was making two episodes of their thirty people play show, um, and Author Blues and Cosmic were in the first one for um, Super Mario Bros. And they were looking for somebody to um, represent, like the speedrunner side of mario kart and auth recommended me and then they contacted me and then i did an interview with them and they put together the video and yeah now and it's I, out yeah so for for folks who haven't seen I, you know any of these videos that we're going to be mentioning during this interview you'll be able to find links to uh in the podcast or video description uh but to you know, to give an idea of what the video series is, is that they just sort of have a bunch of people of various skill levels, uh, you know, sit down and play a game. And so in this particular example, it was Mario Kart 8 DX, and they were playing the, the SNES Rainbow Road Track. And then, of course, they had, you know, you providing information about, you know, some of the techniques and some of the specific approaches uh, to how, how to play the track and also to... Uh, you know, it, I guess I some of your gameplay footage was also used in that, right? I assume that you were. Yeah, some of your, okay. they, they did. Yeah, right. they they used some of my footage. Uh, they had me. Uh, they had me record um, a time trial of it, uh, and I I did the time trial at 200 CC, but they ran the 30 people play tournament or not tournament, like their their little trial uh, at 150 CC. So the footage is a little bit different, and my strategies were a little different. But um, the routes that you use are roughly the same; they're not identical. I'm, we'll we'll go more in depth in that later in the podcast. I think you said. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, we, I, I imagine some of that. You know, some of those things like uh, global cycles and stuff like that. We can we can talk more about later. But that was cool. I, I you know I, I, I yeah no I, it was it was really fun. I I did not know this is this is me not doing enough research beforehand. I didn't realize that was actually part of a larger video series. To, so to see that you know that linked back, and of course, Author Blues, very cool. Uh, you know, someone someone who's popped up, uh, being talked about on this podcast before. I think a while back, I had someone on talking about Bubsy 3D, and of course, oh nice, where you mentioned Bubsy yeah. 3D, someone is mentioning Author Blues. Uh, but let's go back. Let's go back in history uh, and really get to the foundation uh, for you and gaming. Uh, where does gaming start for you? Is that something you picked up from particular friends or family? So I think that me and gaming, just in general, it came from my dad uh, a lot. Uh, my first console was a Super Nintendo. And I'm pr if I remember correctly, my first game was uh, Link to the Past. Um, my dad had a bunch of SNES games and he had like a, like a booklet that had all the like codes that you would enter to get to later levels and things. And so I would... I would get ahead to the later levels that I couldn't beat using my dad's codes that he used when he played the games when he was younger. So that was always, that was fun. Um, so games were kind of a way to connect with my dad a lot when I was younger. It was a lot of fun. 
Oh, that's neat. So that the the like literally the hardware was all stuff that was his when he was a kid. Yeah, it was well, it, well not when he was a kid, but he had a Super Nintendo uh, at some point, mm-hmm. and it just stuck around. And we never had an N sixty four, so like I kind of just kept playing SNES games for a while. Um, and then the GameCube came out, and I played a lot of GameCube games. And I just kind of stuck with Nintendo throughout a lot of it, and I kind of grew up around Nintendo. So you feel like for for you, you just ended up sort of sticking that. So things like you know the the GameCube, the Wii, uh, and of course yep. now the Switch. Yep. Now don't forget I, the Wii U. Don't forget no. the Wii U. <laughs> no, that's fair. That's fair. There, the Wii U. I you know the Wii U is something I I think I owned at the time because of Smash. Uh, and then only later on have I sort of come back to it to actually play some single player games. I'm like, oh, Wind Waker on the Wii U. This is a lot of fun, actually. Uh, so no, don't don't forget about the Wii U. It was interesting. Yeah, I I didn't get it when it released, but I got it like as a birthday gift to myself a, a little bit later, and uh, that's when I picked up Mario Kart, and because uh, it was originally for the Wii U and other tons of other games like Splatoon. I think Splatoon was actually the reason why I bought the Wii U. Mm, yeah, no, that's so. There's a lot of diehard Splatoon fans out there for sure. Uh, I, I want to. I always like to try and get a sense of the the point at which someone really starts to take uh, possession or, or sort of ownership of their of their gaming hobby. Uh, you had mentioned you know that your 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 dad had this nest still around, and I'm I would probably guess you know the GameCube might have been like a like a holiday gift or something. Is there a point where you really sort of like, oh no, this is you know this is my Wii U, or or maybe even you know more recently this is my Switch. Was there a certain point where you sort of take ownership rather than being like a family unit? <clears throat> Probably halfway through the Wii life cycle, um, when I started like buying games for myself and I started like taking uh, taking gaming as a hobby a little bit more seriously, and like I bought my own i bought like extra controllers and like nicer controllers and my own games and uh eventually i i bought my own wii u so that was that was the first console that i bought for myself but i think at that point i was the only person playing on our family's wii i was the only person playing on our family's gamecube and my dad my dad also was into computer games and i like used his old computer to play crappy flash games and eventually I had my own computer, but that was after I moved out, so... No, I think I probably started taking ownership and, like, getting more serious into gaming as a hobby, probably right around the time I became a teenager. No, like that's entering, about, that's in, about yeah. right. Yeah, I can definitely... I, I feel like I, if, I, if I had to peg the dead, I would also probably do a similar thing where it's like, you know, like, like 14, 15, somewhere around there. Yeah. I also like to ask... Uh, you know, so much of the focus in speedrunning is going to be necessarily on games that are you know, either single player, or co-op, or things like that, and uh, that often sort of uh, doesn't show the runner's full gaming history because, uh, especially in the past two decades, uh, multiplayer gaming, online gaming, is huge. I, I think, like, well, I feel like almost every guest I ask, you know, like, were you into multiplayer gaming? And I think it's like a, over fifty percent, just like, oh yeah, I played tons of League, which is wild to me. Uh, do you have any things like that where, you know, I mean, it's, it sounds like maybe Splatoon was one of that, but, you know, other maybe things like League, MOBAs, uh, first-person shooters, or anything like that? 
Um, I was pretty into the Splatoon 1 competitive scene. I organized tournaments in the Splatoon 1 competitive scene, actually, and I ran a tournament series on Sundays um, that, actually, I don't think... I don't think there are any VODs anymore, but the Twitch channel still exists. Um, I ran a Splatoon tournament called Monsoon every Sunday for a while. That was a lot of fun, but I didn't pick up Splatoon 2 when it came out, and I kind of left. Uh, multiplayer games, I I honestly haven't really been a huge multiplayer game player in general. Like, I play online, I played Splatoon online, but... Yeah, I don't know. I don't play Mario Kart online. I play a lot of roguelikes, single player stuff. I'm not too big into online games. No, that's fair. I, I you know, I personally I can relate to that because I'm extremely hot and cold. Like I, I've gone for years sometimes, and then be like Rocket League and Overwatch, and then PUBG, and then now I'm back in. Like, why would you play? Why would you play multiplayer games? Someone comes into stream and says, "Streamer, when are you playing Among Us?" And I'm saying, "Never." <laughs> I'm I I do not like social deduction games. Oh yeah, Never no, put, especially that. No, they're not for me. Among Us, not for me. Two years, two years in high school, I had friends who just did nothing but play Mafia, like just near regular oh, person yeah. Mafia, and I was like, well, that's it. I'm I filled up my quota for my whole life now. <laughs> um, so, go ahead. I'm trying to think. Uh, I had I I just lost the thing I was going to say. So never mind. That's fair. Maybe maybe we'll we'll find it again. Uh, but. Actually, well, so you already answered. I was going to ask, uh, you know, since Mario Kart Eight is going to be such a focus, I was going to ask if you do much playing online. Because I, I, you know, we're going to discuss more of like the the run itself and your approach to running uh, later oh, on. Oh, I remembered. Yes, go ahead. Uh, sorry. No, do uh, yeah, no. You, I don't play online Mario Kart much. What I was going to say was I, I did used to play Overwatch. Um, I got to like platinum rank in the first two seasons, but then I stopped playing. That's extremely fair. That's kind of... I don't think I ever ranked well in that game, but I, I had fun, and I stopped having fun. And then I... Yeah. You know, then you stopped. Pretty much. Yeah, it, it just kind of got samey, and then I stopped. Well, let's talk about speedrunning, then. <clears throat> yeah, let's talk about speedrunning. I am always very curious. Uh, how did you first learn about speedrunning? I first learned about speedrunning um, from... Gosh. So... I don't remember the exact reason why, but um, I was really I was really in- a big fan of Bastion. Bastion is one of my favorite games of all time by Supergiant Games, and I found the Bastion speedrun by Vulagen at AGDQ fourteen. I think it was maybe SGDQ fourteen. Um, the any percent run that first showed off uh, using the scroll wheel to duplicate items, and it blew my mind. And that was the first time I had seen speedrunning, and the first time I had seen people using. Um, uh, glitches and exploits in games to like progress faster and I kept watching more GDQ VODs and then I caught the next one that I could live and um, I started watching Twitch um, and I started speedrunning in 2015 what was the what was what was the game that pulled you over the line what's what what game made you sit down and say I'm gonna do this myself now um so actually it was Super Mario Galaxy because uh, to name drop to name drop more people, Please. I was watching a lot of Pants and I was watching a lot of Valu 111 um, and they're both Galaxy runners at the time at least they were and I was like, I'm going to learn Galaxy because um, I want to do that. that that looks really fun and I'm also going to stream because it looks like they're having a lot of fun and that, that sounds like fun and then I realized that learning Galaxy was going to take a lot of time and I still really wanted to do that streaming thing too so I would 
speedrun an easier game and stream it, and then in my off time I would learn Galaxy, and then eventually I could stream Galaxy. And so I picked Mario Kart, and then I never learned Galaxy. <laughs> I was gonna say I I I do have your your speedrun.com profile up before me, and I was like, there is no Galaxy on here. <laughs> no, there is not. That's that's very interesting. That you know, I mean, it is galaxies all around. There's a lot lot going on there. So, but that's that's interesting that it led you from one to the other. I actually do know the route through the fountain, um, but that's it. That's that's very very fair. All right, so I already asked you what the the first game that you speed ran was, uh, and it was the way you said. Okay, let me make sure I, I got that right because it wasn't Galaxy. You thought about Galaxy. You were working on Galaxy. Galaxy is what put pushed me over the line, mm-hmm. but Mario Kart was my first game, yeah. Okay. And at that at that point that would have been Mario Kart U? Yeah, Mario Kart for Wii U. Okay. Gotcha. Alright, that makes sense. Alright, let me I wanna get some takes here. I wanna get some some takes about your catalog of speed oh, games. Gosh. Uh I think this one is gonna be easy. I think this is a softball. Uh what's your favorite speed game? My favorite speed game out of this list? Mario Kart 8. Okay. And then what's your what's your of all the ones that you've completed a run of? Doesn't have to be on your on your profile. You, you know, you don't have to <laughs> doesn't have to be written proof. Sure. What's your least favorite speed run that you've done a run of? Ooh. That's tough. The game or my run of the game? I would say your your experience of it. I mean, the thing I'm looking for is not so much to be like, you know, I, I don't like the community or I don't like the game or something, but just, you know, you, you didn't enjoy some element. It was too random or too inconsistent or, you know, it doesn't jive with what you like in a speed game. Sure, sure, sure. Um, I don't have it up here, but I did a, I did a single player all boards run of Super Mario Party. And that one was really boring. At the end of the day, I, I like Mario Party runs because they're like optimizing RNG and optimizing like how how what's the fastest slow thing that I can get right. That's Super Mario. That's Mario Party. But unfortunately, Super Mario Party is so slow that even speedrunning it, it still feels like you're just playing the game casually. So that was kind of a letdown. Um, but I think as far as like gameplay wise, uh, it would either be I tried doing Splatoon one any percent. And that just was a mess, and I was in tears trying to skip World Four because um, that it has like this really hard skip, and I had never done it. And I spent forty five minutes trying to do it, and then I finally got it, and I just started crying. It was a, it was it was bad. It's not a you can't find a video of that anywhere. Um, I mean that's stressful. Well, <laughs> that's you know especially when you're when you're like I just need to complete this game. Like, I just need to finish this run, and you're getting hung we up for forty five minutes. That's a ton. It was the uh, it was the, this group of uh, it was this group of speedrunners who played competitive Splatoon. They made an SRL competitive team, and they all were like, "We're all gonna do a Splatoon any percent run in a Discord call together as like a fun thing." I wasn't on the team, but I was in the Discord server, and yeah, so we all did it. And I didn't get last, but I I was the only one who cried. And the other bad, the other bad run that I have, just like gameplay wise, uh, I joined the Carrera Rat, the Kirby Air Ride, Air Ride All Rides All Tracks thing, which is doing every track in the game with every car in Kirby Air Ride in the in the racing mode. Um, and I was just I, 
didn't play that game. I don't know why I decided to do that, and it ended up being like three hours slower than like an optimized time. But I did it, so that one's probably the one with the worst gameplay that you can find. I mean, if you finish a run, I feel like that puts you ahead of a lot of other a lot of other folks. Sometimes that <laughs> first run is always the most the most stressful thing. <laughs> yeah. All right, one more one more take, and this should be a little little more gentler. Uh, is sure. Uh, a game that you would like to speedrun, uh, but you haven't gotten around to it, and that might be because you just don't have time, or it doesn't really fit with what you're doing right now. Um, well, the easy answer is Galaxy. Um, but uh, a better answer, I think, would be um, Cluster Truck, actually. I've wanted to run Cluster Truck for a really long time, and it's just never happened. Now, would you be? I'm curious with Cluster Truck because I've seen a few a few runs of that, and there's some. I feel like that's a game that has. Uh, what, is there a particular category in that that you'd be remote? Would it be just like the regular base game, or yeah, just the the okay. any any percent or all levels or whatever. I don't know. Okay, no. Well, that game was also. I feel like one, it was one of the early games to have um, you know, like like chat integration and stuff like that. You, you know, oh you could, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so I was curious because I, I think chat Hanky percent was who I saw. is. Chat percent is a thing. Mm-hmm, right, I right. did a I did a playthrough of it with the chat integration. That was really fun. Cool. No, that's that's a that's a neat game. That's and also it's it's one of those like first person movement games which I feel like are always very very fun to watch. It's it's one of those first person movement games where if you move diagonally, it's faster than if you strafe diagonally, it's faster than just holding W. So you have to like get used to oh you. There are there are tons of PC games where if you strafe with W and A or W and D and like angle your perspective and stuff, that's faster than just moving straight forward with W. Cluster Truck has that too. Yeah, that's a classic. I you know I definitely recommend for for anyone like literally any era of gaming. Like Cluster Truck, you know that's that's a relatively more recent game. It's like a 2016 game, but you can go back, especially especially late 90s, early 2000s. There's a ton. Uh, that are that are like that. Like I think I picked up a PlayStation One launch game uh, last year, and I was like, I wonder if strafing and going forward at the same time. Of course, it makes you go faster. Always, always it's, check it's, the diagonal it, movement. It's so good. Yeah, it's you check for that. You check to see if uh, using uh, uh, the analog stick left and D pad left is twice left. Sometimes that happens. That's always fun. <laughs> yeah, the, the sum the sum of the movements. It works. Yeah. So you mentioned already a little bit when we were talking about uh, your history with speedrunning uh, that you know when you when you made that decision to do the runs yourself you know to, to learn Galaxy and then also to to run Mario Kart uh, that you know at the same time you were watching other streamers do that and that accordingly you were streaming yourself uh, now this the past two weeks you uh, happened to be streaming during my work hours which is always good for me because that means I get to put on very chill good speed runs while i'm doing my day job and oh, nice uh and it was very good i was actually it was I, I turned the stream on and immediately like it was the one day where i was like ah uh, yes all the leftist politics thank you <laughs> let's go oh yeah so that was i was like really it's one of these podcasts i can i can say this stuff oh, oh yeah good. no no if you want to let out a hearty you know a cab or whatever you are 100 percent welcome to do that on this podcast for sure Oh yeah, now or save it to the end, or uh, that's up to you. Any, if you want we'll to save it to the end, you know. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Just every once in a while, I'll just like say one at like the start of yeah. Okay, yeah, we're no, good. Do it, do it. But what yeah. I wanted to ask was, uh, you know, there's a, 
there's an element of I, I some of these words I use because that's how we communicate. Although I, there's a part of me that still dies every time I hear the word content. Um, but in terms of uh, you know formalizing the stream, you know things like having a schedule, have a nice overlay, having an audience. Uh, do you feel like there are any uh, major points for you where you're like, oh, hey, I have some people watching me play Mario Kart. Let me get alerts and uh, things like that. Or, you know, or would you, I guess if I really wanted to simplify it, would you say that there was a point when you started to develop an audience that prompted you to, you know, make your stream more, imp- I guess, impressive? Uh, Black Lives Matter. Um, so I think that probably... Back in like 2016, 2017, um, when things started to be things started to be like consistently in like the teens, and like I had a Discord server and I had a community, and like I've always kind of tried to to keep it like a level of professionalism where it's like I'm taking this seriously, but I'm also just a person and I'm a human being, and you have to bear with me because I'm not I'm not a full-time streamer and I'm not a big streamer. I'm going to take this as seriously as I as I can take it and I've always kind of tried to keep that attitude. Um recently though, like since um since SGDQ online happened, um I noticed I definitely noticed that uh, my audience got bigger and I tried to take things a little bit more seriously. I've always really struggled with uh keeping a schedule and keeping consistency, but I've been working really hard at that recently and I think it's I think it's paying off. Yeah, no, just uh, you know, as an as anecdotal evidence of how I came to hear about you, I think I had I had seen you a lot. I, I lurk in in um, Brian Ado's Discord, and so I had seen sure. you posting in the speedrun channel there, you know, about Mario Kart runs. Uh, and then I was like, oh, you know, you're running at SGDQ, and you know that really really tuned in at that point. I probably I think I probably followed you on Twitter around then because I was like, oh, cool, you know, this is this is neat. Someone you know with with Bri. Bri's always uh, excellent, excellent indicator. I, I feel like I can can trust them. Um, yeah, and so Bri's so that great. was cool. That's really 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 cool to see uh, that develop and to really you know get get a, a boost from that. Uh, do you feel like you have like, so you're, you're saying right now, you know, you got some more traction from SGDQ. Uh, do you feel like you are going to continue to push that side of things like the, or, or do you feel like you're still going to, you know, keep it sequestered to a part of your life and not worry about things like, I don't know, partner push or something like that? I'll be honest. Uh, a partner push is something I've been considering, but I'm not there yet. Um, the, at like right away after SGDQ online when I was streaming I was like hmm maybe but after it's it's been about a month now and things are starting to like settle like at first you get like the people who are like I just want to check it out and then after like a month now I'm starting to figure out okay so I have a, a lo- I have a solid base of of new regulars now and I think at this point I I want to keep taking it seriously I think I'm I'm still going to stick with the same attitude that I've always had, which is like, I'm going to take it as far as I can take it. And right now I'm not working, so I can take it pretty far if I try really hard. That's kind of what I'm trying to do. Cool. No, I mean, hopefully, you know, obviously I'm not going to pry into your living situation, but, you know, taking the time you have and and making the best of it is, uh, you know, certainly what you got to do. Time management is hard. And, you know, that that is true. And the other thing too is like also just like, 
this is a general comment for listeners. Respect folks' time management. You never know what else stuff they got going on in their lives and so you know why they may or may not have a consistent schedule or how much they can stream. So, you know, always be always be mindful of uh, what's going on with streamers. Uh, speaking of what's going on with streamers, uh, one thing I want to check in, especially because uh, the game that we're going to be primarily discussing, Mario Kart 8 DX, uh, you know, is a game where you're making a lot of, uh, I would say, I'm going to I'm gonna say repetitive movements. Feel free to, to yell at me for saying that. No, they're pretty repetitive, yeah. And so the thing I want to ask, and I've been asking this of runners more and more, is uh do you have thoughts about uh you know long-term hand health or you know other things like posture uh and do you take any steps right now to to address that to sort of engage in preventative measures um yeah uh so healthcare and housing are both human rights uh i i do take uh, a lot of care of my wrist i'm very very concerned about it um i played violin in, in high school and i got carpal tunnel from that and that never really goes away. And from playing video games, I've also probably developed tendonitis. And I do get the occasional swelling in my wrists when I when I game too hard, you know? Um, but I, I have the same compression brands that Brian Otto uses, actually. Um, and I do wrist stretches um, during the stream, before the stream. I, I try to take good care of my wrists and... Um, actually, I went to uh, my general practitioner, my primary care doctor, the other um, couple weeks ago, and she re- she recommended that I take like an anti-inflammatory, like an ibuprofen or an Aleve or something, before I stream, like before I start playing games to prevent that, and it, that's been working really, really well. That's interesting. You know, I, I, that's something I've heard in the context of. Um like exercise more generally, you know, like I, I, I've, I've often dealt with uh, inflammatory issues in like my knees and stuff like that. And I would sure. hear that kind of advice in regards to that, but it's really interesting to hear now, of course, you know, any sort of regular, uh, you know, ibuprofen regime, check with, check with your doctor. I'm not, I'm not going to be like, yeah, ah, no, yes, of course, of medical course, advice yeah. on the speedrun interview podcast, but you oh, know, gosh, no, no, <laughs> I, I am folks. I am extremely not a doctor. Holy crap. Uh, but you know, be, you know, it's something, of course, you know, in, in terms of addressing things, you know, the, the thing I would stress for, for a listener more than anything else is just like pay attention to your body. Uh, you know, yeah, if, there, if there's pain, pay attention. Yeah. If, if I can say something, um, don't be don't be afraid to ask a doctor about something related to video games and hobbies like it's it. I was really worried about it because I have anxiety and I was really just like anxious and kind of embarrassed about being like, I have wrist problems because I play video games. Um, but really, at the end of the day, they don't care why you have wrist problems. They want to make those wrist problems go away. Yeah, no, I, I think I would I would agree with that. I am. And I'll tell you, too, I'm actually uh, very fortunate to be friends with a bunch of people who ended up becoming doctors. And I can tell you there's a lot of nerdy doctors out there. Uh, and chances are you might even find one that that plays a few games. I have, I have a longtime friend who messages me between shifts at the hospital all the time to be like, hey, PMC, how about video games? I'm like, I can tell you about video games. So, you know, definitely don't don't uh, shy away from it or don't feel like you, you, know, you can't talk about that sort of stuff uh, with a doctor. Um, let's uh, so one more general speedrunning question before we start talking about. Uh, Mario Kart 8 DX, uh, and this is a this is a pretty open ended one, which is I like to ask: uh, Do you feel like when it comes to speed running, 
Uh, do you feel that you have a particular a mission statement or role in speedrunning? And and when I say that, it's sort of like a you know you know mission statement, like a particular animating principle for why you do it, or role meaning like someone who grinds out attempts or develops new tech or searches for glitches, things like that. I think I I want. Oh gosh, that is actually a really difficult question. Holy crap. It doesn't feel right to just say I want to go fast because it definitely is a little bit more than that, right? Like there's there's something that is just inherently rewarding about optimizing this sort of stuff. And yeah, um with Mario Kart it's just been the perfect outlet for me because it's just a bunch of tiny micro optimizations and that is the sort of that's the sort of itch that uh speedrunning scratches for me. I think is all of the optimizations, but I'm not really one to develop new tech or find new routes. I'm definitely the type of person to take existing things and just grind them out. Um, I've always joked that uh, in the Mario Kart community, I'm kind of like our version of Nindide in, in that I I always do the the hardest strats, even though they're not necessarily the most consistent. Can you give me the context there? I don't think I recognize that name. Nindide, the um, Sunshine Super Mario Sunshine Runner. Okay, yeah, I guess I'm not I'm not familiar with them, but I guess, but, but the idea is that <clears> uh, he has the he has the world record in okay. Super Mario Sunshine, um, any percent, and I think he might have gotten 120 stars. Actually, I don't know. Um, but uh, he always went for these in- extremely inconsistent, extremely difficult strats that would save the most time, and he was just a grind monkey, <laughs> uh, and that attitude of just like do the hardest thing because it'll save the most time uh has always been kind of like a fun itch to scratch too i kind of i i shoot for more consistent things now but i used to have that attitude i i definitely like taking what i know and trying to just optimize what i know and then after a while going back and updating a bunch of strats at once no, I definitely respect that. I, I think what's good too about that is that the willingness to do hard things is there's sort of a, I would call it like a like a fuck around and find out sort of attitude where it's like, well, you yeah. know what? What if I did this thing that everyone's oh, this is too hard to do? Like, and and sometimes maybe you find out that it is more consistent than you think, and then maybe sometimes you really, you know, maybe you don't want to do that. Hmm. There uh, there are some good examples of that in Mario Kart Eight, so. Yeah, well all right, let's 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 transition into that. Now, in preparation uh for this interview, uh I watched uh two particular uh Mario Kart 8 DX videos. Uh one of them was of course the SGDQ 2020 online uh 48 tracks relay uh in which yeah. you know you did commentary f- for the whole thing, but in particular uh you did the uh the bonus tracks uh, segment of the relay. And I also went and watched uh, your uh, PB in bonus tracks, uh, which I ended the twenty seven forty one point two, which I was apparently at the time was the uh, the the fastest time was the record time, and I want to say, oh yeah, that if you want to learn about like the basics as a viewer as a as a speed run, if you if you're like I just want to watch Mario Kart runs and you want to learn the tech, uh, the commentary in that GDQ video uh, is very good for explaining. Uh, a lot of the techniques for for drifting, uh, the mini turbos, and some of the particular things in the tracks. Now, I'm hoping for this interview, you know, rather than necessarily, uh, you know, having you go into in depth explanations on any of those things, uh, I really wanted to get into sort of um, why you do uh, what what you do, 
uh, in terms of you know the specifics for this uh, for this game because with a game like this and, th- and this is in everybody's history this is I think the first time I've been talking to someone doing a uh, like a racing or driving game and and I think oftentimes in these racing and driving games you have lots of things that you you don't have uh, in in other level in other types of genres such as you know ghosts. Uh, time trials like you know time trials within the game things like that which i think are are essential to a racing game but maybe not always present in other genres and so the since we're going to focus on of course uh what you run uh i wanted to ask you know uh first off maybe why why 200 cc instead of 150 sure um well first off thank you for all the kind words about the runs um and the commentary and everything uh that's really humbling um and uh the my pb is actually improved for bonus tracks i have a 2731 now um but uh to to go back and answer your question like speed and optimization time trials and stuff Mm -hmm. uh i i started with 150 um in the wii u version of the game and uh after um a little while well actually when the switch version came out i made the switch to 200 cc um i'm not exactly sure actually no i am sure why so i i started with 150 cc because i really liked fire hopping as a mechanic and then they removed fire hopping so i picked 200 cc because it was faster i wanted to i wanted to buy a I wanted to switch to Deluxe because it seemed pretty obvious that everybody was going to switch to Deluxe. So, and I got the Switch and I got Deluxe and everything. So you were there right on the ground floor. Because I I imagine when you picked up the Wii U, you had said that, you know, you didn't didn't buy a Wii U when it came out. I don't know off the top of my head when Mario Kart for Wii U would have come out. But I assume that was a situation where you were coming into that scene kind of after the initial launch. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like, um, before I had even entered the speedrunning scene for Mario Kart 8, Aeon Frodo had already done a run at AGDQ. Oh, right, yeah, I remember that now, because you, you shouted out Aeon Frodo during your during your GDQ yeah, commentary. She, she did she did her run at AGDQ 15, and I didn't start running Mario Kart until May 2015, I think? May or maybe October? But then, of yeah. course, when, when the DX version came out... Uh, that, immediately wait, yeah that came in so you're immediately on top of that now i think you already mentioned one difference was that there is actually a, a fair amount of uh important tech differences between the two games right oh yeah definitely um jacob talked about that in our uh in the sgdq run while i was running yoshi circuit um but to briefly summarize the differences between the games um all of the carts and characters' stats were rebalanced. Um, the physics of the game was adjusted slightly. Um, when you hop up into the air and land on the ground, you lose a little bit of speed. That's an added change to make a specific bit of tech impossible. And then they added a third drift, so you could go from blue sparks to orange sparks, and then they added the purple sparks. Um, and the tech that they got rid of and the hopping stuff is the reason why i switched to 200 cc okay yeah because I, I know the i think the the important thing i remember you know again going back to that uh very good commentary was that one of the major things because one of the things i was going to ask you know I, I even before you know watching the run 
uh, I can think of right off the top of my head, like, well, of course I'm going to ask, you know, like, why this racer and why this cart and why that? And of course that question was answered in the commentary, but I thought it was very interesting that the, the, in these Mario Kart 8DX runs, uh, it sounds like, uh, especially for the cart and the wheels and the glider, uh, acceleration are privileged over top speed. Is that right? Yeah. So that's cool. It's just very, and, but that was something that had changed between uh, you and DX. Yeah. Um, to go into that, like uh, for in the, in the Wii U version, the thing that mattered was top speed because um, the tech that you were using was um, was a the the thing that made you go faster than normal by you by using the tech was it was bringing you from that like boosted speed to your natural top speed it was like bringing you back down and by doing this tech you would go back down slower so having a higher top speed was the thing that mattered more but since that whole entire like slowing down slower mechanic isn't in mario kart 8 deluxe the thing that matters more is being able to get as many mini turbos boosts as you can and so while having a top speed Having a high top speed is important. Having a high mini turbo is actually the super important stat. And acceleration and mini turbo are linked. Uh, mini turbo isn't shown on the stat screen, so it, it looks like we're just prioritizing acceleration. Right, right. Now that makes sense. Um, all right. And well, another uh, another important why question uh, is that uh, besides, you know, if we, if we go and look at the Mario Kart 8 DX leaderboards, uh, there's there's two important cutouts for subcategories. It looks like there's 150 versus 200, and the other one is if you would ask me, I would have assumed everyone was running no items because that just kind of seems like what you would do. Now it, it does seem like there are people running uh, the tracks with items, uh, but why do yeah. you prefer no items? Uh, it's a simple matter of RNG. Um, people aren't items used to be a lot more popular. Um, it, no items is becoming more popular now as the game is being a little bit, as the game is maturing, I guess, um, in the speedrunning scene, like people are just trying to play more optimally and a category with items just has so much RNG and lightning and blue shells and red shells and ev- like everything that can mess you up. And it makes it so that you can't take the fastest possible lines and you can't take the fastest shortcuts because you have to worry about oh what if i get hit by a lightning i could fall off and that could lose me 10 plus seconds that's not okay so i have to go around this slower way so that i lose like maybe two seconds but then if i get shocked i'll only lose six instead of the full amount and it's just it it ends up being really frustrating because your your run is completely at the at the mercy of what rng you get and it turns into a a grind for good rng but with no items you're it's all skill except for when computers run into you and the occasional bit of track geometry that's or the occasional track thing that's rng dependent um but it's so much less like no items you're just going fast and you have the ability to take all of these risky strats because there's no items that are ever going to hit you yeah like i i think you already indicated like of course there's there's a skill to dealing with items and to managing that and to accounting for rng that's some people love that some people love having you know the wide field of rng to deal with but you know as time goes on if you really want to focus on optimizing you know i think as you said no items is probably where most folks are going to end up 
but mm-hmm. w- that leads me to, I think, probably my last major preference question. As I mentioned, the SGDQ 2020 video was a 48 tracks relay uh, of you know three different groups of tracks, uh, and you had done the bonus tracks. And in my time uh, watching your stream these past two weeks, uh, I've noticed that uh, that's been kind of your focus, the, the bonus tracks uh, category, 200cc, no items. Why bonus tracks? Sure. Um, there are basically four categories to the game. There's all tracks, or 48 tracks, and then there's nitro tracks, retro tracks, and bonus tracks. Um, nitro is the, the first 16, retro is the like the old games, and then bonus tracks are all the DLC tracks from 8U, but they're all just provided in deluxe. Um, bonus tracks has the highest density of hard tricks in it, and hard shortcuts. It's like extremely shortcut heavy and extremely difficult. Um, and that just really appeals to me. Like, like I mentioned, I always like going for those like crazy hard strats, um, and optimizing that sort of thing and, and the grind, um, and finding consistent ways to do these extremely hard things has been like a really big draw to stay in bonus tracks. Nitro tracks and retro tracks are not necessarily less difficult. It's that they aren't as skip heavy and, um, shortcut focused they're they're more about optimizing your lines as much as possible and as much as i like that skips are also incredibly uh appealing yeah as a as a viewer who isn't familiar with playing the game myself uh having the three back to back like if you made me vote I would pick bonus tracks because it has the cool skips. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> no brainer. And, and and with 48 tracks, like, 48 tracks has everything. So you could say, like, oh, that's awesome. It's got everything. But 48 tracks is an endurance category for us because playing at that, like... Mario Kart 8 is actually a very high APM game, if you think of it. Well, not APM, but, like, just, like, the amount of precision that it takes and, like, how much you have to uh, finagle the control stick and make sure it's in like a precise angle or anything like that and being able to react it's really hard to play at your peak for an hour and a half straight now when you're when you're running the game i have to assume you're probably using a switch pro controller right mm-hmm. does anybody run with joy cons jacob ran with two joy cons in the holder thing for a while and honestly it's totally fine. Like, um, it's mostly just a preference on the control stick. Um, the Pro Controller has a really, really good control control stick, though. Oh yeah, no, the Switch Pro Controller is a super nice controller. Mm-hmm. Not great for ergonomics, and the shoulder buttons are a bit gummy. Yeah, that part might be <laughs> might be true. Yeah, but it's a it's a great feeling controller. It's not good for your hands, but it it feels good. <laughs> That's. You know, I hadn't thought about it like that because I, I think I now that I'm thinking about it, I think I do do agree um, with it's, with those uh, assessments. It's the it's the handles. The handles on the Switch Pro controller are, are tiny. Mm-hmm. The the bigger a controller's handles are, the better they are for your hands because you're not gripping as tight. And um, uh, the important thing that I've noticed from playing Mario Kart um, is when you're on your left hand. Your, your hand curls inwards, like, to the to the left. So if you have to move your thumb to the right, you're pulling your four fingers in one direction and your thumb in the other direction, and that's super, super bad for your hand. All right. 
while while we're here, I'm gonna I'm gonna do a quick tangent for some controller hot takes since we're, oh, yeah, we're totally. here. Oh yeah, totally, definitely. Let's uh, do it. Best and worst controllers. Ooh, uh, best controller is the is it's a tie between the PS4 controller and the Switch Pro controller, and the worst controller is probably either the Dual Shock One or Dual Shock Two. Ooh, the DualShock 1 or the DualShock 2? Yeah, I said it. And I have a reason why. I Please, have a reason I w- I why. I want to hear. I want to hear. I think it's actually just the DualShock 2, not the DualShock 1. Um, my boyfriend, Zeke Sikinar, runs Jack 2. And apparently, I never played PlayStation games. Apparently, the DualShock 2 and other, play st- and other con- PlayStation controllers... If you hold down the like X circle square etc harder it does more and yes. that makes me really really mad. I hate that. I hate that so much. It's such a bad thing for accessibility cuz some people can't push down that hard and that would be me. So I can't do some of the jack 2 tricks. Oh, so interesting. I don't, like, I don't I don't I don't like the I don't like controllers that make you push harder on the buttons. So, how do you feel about? Okay, so obviously, you know, we're, when we're talking about that, of course, we're talking about uh, the face buttons on the on the DualShock Two, which are, in fact, pressure sensitive. Which was actually, uh, recently, I did a playthrough of Metal Gear Solid Two on Xbox 360 with the HD collection, uh, which was a real weird experience for me because I had played that game as a child on PS2 and was very used to how that game handles some things with pressure sensitive buttons. 360 yeah, controller sh- doesn't have those. Yeah. I'm sure if you grew up with a PS2 and mm. grew up with pressure sensitive buttons, that's totally great for you. But I never did, and yeah. to me, I just see it as like a failure in accessibility. Sure, sure, no, absolutely, and that that part's important. Like, let's not let's not joke around about that. Uh, do you have similar thoughts in terms of? I, so, if I were to talk about things, I would talk about how I'm a big fan of the DualShock One and Two, uh, specifically for the uh, L2 R2 shoulder buttons which are not triggers. I'm kind of at this point very annoyed with triggers that take a lot to depress. Do you have similar criticisms there with triggers? Hmm, that's tough. I I'm holding my Switch Pro controller right now and I I like that the these triggers don't require a lot either. You don't have to pull them down. They're more like buttons as well. Um and I do like that about that. However, I'm thinking about it and Melee would be such a different game if the shoulder buttons weren't the way they are. So I I really don't know. No, that's fair. I mean, I like I, some give like certainly you know we're talking about melee, so of course we're talking about the GameCube controller uh, yeah, and, you know, and the the amount of give on the shoulder buttons for that. Um, oh, that the mechanical feel of the GameCube controller, like the shoulder buttons, everything about it. Uh, very unique controller to be sure. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I put I put the GameCube controller like solidly in the middle of the pack, as far as like controller feel goes. Yeah. The thing is, right, right now I am not friends with the GameCube controller, and that is largely on account of the fact that I have been using the Game Boy Player to do Game Boy Advance games on stream, and oh. that means the D pad, and that is the probably the worst part of the GameCube controller. Oh, definitely. Uh, I am I controller hot take. Please, we need more D buttons and less D pads. That's not really a hot take, but game controller makers need to learn this. Do you have a favorite D pad? Uh, the Joy Cons. 
Oh yeah, interesting. Okay, because because the they're the, buttons. Because they're buttons. They're not a D pad. They're they're just buttons. See the way you said buttons, I was wondering if maybe you would come out with one of the the Dual Shocks because honestly, that's something I do like about like recently. I've been doing a lot. There, of, there's still a yeah. pad though. There's still a pad underneath. They're oh just yeah, I guess separated. You're, right. you're right. It's not really separated. Yeah. Uh, no, I, pre- I I really like the the Joy Cons D pad. That's my favorite D pad because they're four individual buttons. Yeah, it's almost. But like I that, totally, that I totally get why a pad has to be there so that you can't hold left and right at the same time. <laughs> you just put some, you just put some programming thing in there so that it's whatever button you press last is the one that it's inputting. And if you put them in at the same time, you just don't accept any input. That's how you fix it. Easy. Right. I mean, you, at this point, you treat it much the way that you treat, you know, for example, a, a hitbox, you know, which is probably yeah, the, yeah, the more exactly. More big example that we're thinking of in terms of using just individual buttons as part of uh you know directional buttons uh but that's cool no that's fun i'm i'm glad glad that we went off in in that tangent i think uh yeah. especially for anything where you're making repetitive motions you begin to, to develop uh, opinions about that kind of thing um let's get some more well let's go back to mario kart 8 dx but sure. let's continue uh in the, in the search of good takes um now you know, there's 16 tracks in bonus tracks, four cups. Um, one thing I wanted to confirm, because I think I heard this during, it was either GD commentary or maybe one of your streams. Um, in the GDQ run, the same, uh, you know, racer, cart, wheels, glider configuration was used across the whole 48-track relay. And when I've watched you do uh, just the bonus tracks category, you're still using that same configuration. I could have sworn I heard that for some individual tracks, the optimal configuration can differ. Is that right? Oh yeah, absolutely. So the um, the 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 combination that we use for for runs is kind of like just like the all around best thing if you average out um, builds. You're going for like as much acceleration as you can on cart pieces and like your roll, your roller tires, gl- acceleration glider, bitty buggy. Um, and then you get top speed from a heavyweight character, but you don't pick the heaviest character because you still want more mini turbo stats. So you drop down two, two weight classes for Roy, DK, Waluigi. Some people will drop down further and pick like Rosalina, King Boo, Link, or they'll pick the metal weight characters. Um, and some people will go one step higher and pick uh, Wario or Dry Bowser. Um, those are mostly preference options, um, but the the fastest app, app overall would be with Roy, Donkey Kong, Waluigi. Um, on individual tracks, though, you start to get uh, more specific, definitely. Um, a good example is uh, a retro track, Sherbet Land. Um, that track is mostly ice and snow and has like very little traction. So um, they swap um, their car um, to something that has better traction, um, but still has a fairly high acceleration. I think they take the the Mercedes-Benz Silver Arrow car, which was like a DLC thing, um, and they swap tires to something with, with better traction as well, either the wood tires or the leaf tires, I forget. Um, and that's just one example. And um, Big Blue, which is in bonus tracks, the, the last track of the run... Um, the time trial uses um, Bowser, the the fastest character, um, and that's just a few examples. Uh, 
you might see people use different combinations online as well. Um, if you drop down to 150cc instead of 200cc, then you get access to being able to use the Wild Wiggler cart in like an overall run. Um, the Wild Wiggler has higher top speed, but uh, a lot worse acceleration and mini turbo. Um, yeah, there's a, there's a bunch of different options, and that's really nice, but there is one best option, definitely. So when it comes to, you know, so I, I, we've talked, uh, I've said this a bunch of times now, bonus tracks, the focus. Uh, do you find yourself ever focusing in on any of the individual tracks to the extent where you've practiced, for example, Bowser and Big Blue? Yeah. Um, for a while, I was running um, the Triforce Cup, which is uh, Wario's Goldmine, SNES Rainbow Road. <clears throat> um, what's the next one? Gosh, I'm forgetting the run that I do all the time. Ice Ice Outpost and Hyrule Circuit. For a while, I was using a heavier character. I was using Dry Bowser um, because Wario's Goldmine and Ice Ice Outpost have a lot of long straightaways. Um, so when I was just doing the four-track run, I felt like, well, I can use a heavier character because I have two I have two tracks where I'm not drifting as much. I'm just going straight, and I can take advantage of a higher top speed. That's one example. Um, for a while, like a f like two years ago, I was using a, a lighter character for bonus tracks overall, and that's actually maybe coming back. Um, Pianist15, who has the record right now, um, is thinking that bonus tracks might be better with Rosalina than with Roy. So that's something that I might be testing in the future. That's neat. That's actually really, really, it's, you know, one of the things that's really cool about games that have, uh, I would say like a, a high skill ceiling and a lot of options, right? We have a lot of racers and carts and wheels and all that is that, um, things can shift. Like, uh, you know, if you look back at like fighting games, fighting games often have this sort of history where the meta shifts in, in a big way over periods of time. And it's really cool to, cool yeah. to hear that when a speedrun does similar things. Mm-hmm. So one of the important bits of tech, uh, you know, when watching, for example, a bonus tracks run, uh, is this thing that I think is called a no item shortcut. And I was really glad to have this explained to me in the commentary because if you had asked, you know, idiot me who hasn't played the game and just watching footage, I'd be like, oh, well, you could probably just do that normally without, you know, any special consideration. You would just take the shortcut. You know, if I were playing Mario Kart 8, I would simply take the shortcut. Uh, but it turns out that is not, not the case in that, you know, in some of these, in order to do them without an item... Uh, does require a particular approach in terms of maintaining the speed to clear uh, clear the jump. And I wanted to ask, uh, do you have uh, a favorite or several favorites where you're just like, this is the cool stuff and this is why I do bonus tracks? Yeah, I do. I have a couple. Um, one thing I want to touch on before that, um, with NISCs, N-I-S-C-S, and I, yeah, N-I-S-C-S, NISCs, um, is the the like one thing that we have to do a lot with it and like the reason why it's we like can do these things without mushrooms is because there's like a just the tiniest bit of leeway when you hit off-road you can still release a drift boost and so a lot of these nisks are just drifting onto the off-road with the tiniest bit of air and then landing halfway through the grass already, using that tiny bit of leeway to boost, and then getting through the rest of the off-road. And you would need a mushroom to do that otherwise. 
that's just the the tiny explanation of how that works but the 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 two <clears throat> the two nisks that i that i just love that that always get me are um mute mute city touchless and wildwoods mute city touchless is it's at the very end of of the lap there is this like kind of downhill section that you do um and there's a shortcut that you can take if you know the where if you know where it is because it's pretty much blind you have to know where it is and you can use a mushroom and then you hit this ramp and then you hit a second ramp and then you land and it's a little bit faster than going all the way around and taking the path down normally but if you release a super mini if you release your mini turbo and jump at just the right angle with with enough speed you can jump over the ramp that that you're supposed to trick off of you can you can completely clear the off-road section before the ramp and then just glide all the way down without hitting any of the ramps and you maintain that speed from the mini turbo boost in the air just all the way down with gravity and it's super super cool um and touchless is really cool to me because it's a it's a trick that i personally spent like 12 hours um grinding out a consistent method to do in runs because for a really long time it was something that was only done in time trials because of how how difficult it was but i spent a really long time figuring it out and figuring out where you needed to jump and making a consistent method for it and that whole process was really really fun the one time i did it um and then the other nisk is wildwoods and it is just a really fast skip you're you're you take a bunch of boost plates and then you trick off of a ramp and then you use the boost from that trick plus just hopping in the air to clear a ramp and then you land on the place that you're supposed to trick off of and it is one of the least time-saving tricks in the run and it is one of the most difficult tricks in the run and it's on my favorite track so i learned it and it's just one of those like i just really enjoyed grinding it out no that's cool i'm I'm glad i sometimes i ask this kind of like do you have like a favorite favorite bit of tech sort of question and sometimes i'm like is this a good idea but i'm really glad it sounded like you really had uh you know the two there you really wanted to highlight so i'm glad glad i glad i did that um going forward let's start let's wrap up the the mario kart 8 discussion uh you already mentioned that there might be some character changes on the horizon in the future uh do you have any other particular plans for mario kart 8 dx going forward and that could be you know goal times for bonus tracks other categories or you know things like that so right now i am a second and a half two seconds off of the bonus tracks record uh the bonus tracks record is a 27 29.7 and i have a 27 31.5 so i'm like two seconds off um so my goal right now is to get that record and maybe get sub 27 25 that would be cool a 27 27 would also be really cool after that i plan to finally go back and look at my nitro and retro tracks times because they are just they're significantly worse than my bonus tracks time um i've spent so much more time in bonus tracks that my my skill in the in that category is just leagues better and i always joke that i only have top 10 in 48 tracks because i got carried by my bonus tracks time 
just to give it, I give people an yeah. idea of the like the level of optimization that we're dealing. With. I, I think people can probably already guess that if like the difference between you know, oh. your PB and the record is two seconds. Um, so do you, do you know off the top of your head? Yeah, maybe where your summit best let is. Me, or something? Let me open. Let me open Lime Split right now. <laughs> so yeah, my personal best twenty seven thirty one point five. World record twenty seven twenty nine point seven. My sum of best is a twenty seven eighteen flat. So if if I get the record, it will be ten seconds off of my sum of best or less. That's over, see, that's crazy. over a half an hour. Yeah, it's that's really really cool. I don't know. But just that's just see- how that's just how racing games work. They're yeah. they are they're designed to go fast. So these optimizations don't save that much time. They save tenths of seconds and frames, but they all add up over half an hour to be. 10 seconds right yeah no it's 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 i think i'm so used to you know the sort of games where you just you know you walk into a wall clip out of bounds and skip a level like that kind of thing like can you get the trick quickly you know i think is more often the issue in, in my experience uh but with a racing game it is it's can you get the trick or you or you're done right that's it you know that's the level yeah. of optimization uh which is really which is cool it's you know i i've you know as i said i've enjoyed watching it um and so you know certainly uh, it is. It's worth checking out. Absolutely, and that's why that's why it's it's really fun and really important to find these like consistent methods to do these really hard things. Um, on another example, on Ribbon Road, there there are two ramps that are intended shortcuts that you can take. But on 200 CC, you're going too fast to take them. You can take one or you can take the other, but you can't take both. If on 200 CC normally, you're just going too fast. Um, but if you know exactly what you're doing and if you can, if you can hit the first ramp when you're already drifting and like angle yourself, align yourself perfectly and have good knowledge of the ribbon road cycles, you can hit both of the ramps. And if you're really good, you can even skip part of the second ramp and hit it at this like crazy angle. And the act of making that consistent has probably it when it when it's finally done and i'm not quite there yet when it's finally done i think it'll be uh, an even bigger accomplishment for me personally than than the mute city trick that i talked about earlier that's cool no that's really i i think i'm really impressed by the extent to which uh, I, I said this already, but but the extent to which the the run continues to develop based on you know searching for these kinds of optimizations because I I feel like I might be like oh well you know you just take the best line right like that's simple but no I mean there's there's way more to it than that uh, as you've explained um, I wanted to touch base now obviously Mario Kart 8 DX is the big focus here I did want to quickly touch base on your interest because you haven't just speedrun Mario Kart 8 DX. Uh, you've also done uh, some other things. And so quickly, uh, I wanted to just sort of pick your brain on what uh, moved you to do uh, in particular. I have watched other runners do the N64 era Mario Party games. And I feel like the GameCube era Mario Party games have a bad rep. I don't know if that rep is deserved. But I noticed that you've done speedruns of a few of the GameCube era Mario Party games. Um, you know, how did you come to do that? And just sort of what, yeah, like what drew you to doing runs? So 
to touch on the uh i don't know if it i don't know if i don't think stigma is the right word but to touch on the uh opinion that people have of the gamecube mario party games i think a lot of it comes down to nostalgia and a lot of people played the n64 mario parties growing up and so that's the one that ends up being speed ran and there were a lot of changes with the gamecube ones uh I never grew up with an N64, so um, I started my Mario Party experience with the GameCube ones, and so that's where that's where the nostalgia is for me, um, I guess. And I find that uh, they're actually they're they're fairly similar um, in terms of what they are. Uh, you can uh, the N64 games are faster, just like the the movement is faster, and uh, the boards are way more complicated and some people will say that the GameCube ones are a little overly complex or have too much randomness in them. And I, I'll agree with that for Mario Party 7 for sure. I, I don't exactly remember why I decided to start speedrunning them. Maybe because Pants speedran them. Um, but I've done it a few times now, but um, just with friends occasionally and some just by myself. And I don't know, I find, I find them really fun. I don't think that there's anything wrong with the GameCube ones. No, I mean, I, I have not. I I grew up mostly as a as a PlayStation kid, so some of this mm-hmm. stuff was really outside of my experience, and so that's why I'm skeptical, right? Like whenever whenever I whenever I see a bunch of gamers show up and they're like, "Mario Sunshine is bad," I'm like, "Well, I haven't played the game myself, so I don't know if I'm really going to believe you and take what you're saying at face value." Uh, and so that's why I'm curious to ask because I, you know especially having played a lot of obscure games myself and streamed them, I always know that there is someone out there who likes that game and is going to show up in your Twitch chat and they're going to say it's their favorite game. And so <laughs> based on that theory of things, you know, I was curious to see, you know, why it is that the, uh, you know, the GameCube games drew you in. Now in this, in this era of, uh, you know, your focus on Mario Kart 8, do you feel like you're going to return to any of these Mario Party games? So it certainly sounds like you enjoy them, but I'm just wondering yeah. how do they fit in uh, with what you're doing going forward? Um, so I've done one um, run of Mario Party 6, or at least I tried to um, since the GDQ run, and it died to bad RNG, unfortunately. Uh, I, I think for me, the Mario Party games are kind of like just a, a a break from Mario Kart like it's where all of the RNG in my speedrunning is kind of I, I joke about it like that like this is where I get my RNG fix and then we can go back to the no RNG grind fest for the next month um so no I think I think for me I'm I'm not gonna stop running them I'm I'm just uh I run them maybe like once every couple months um and um I don't know if you know Mr. Shasta but Shasta and I um, have ran um, the the four GameCube games back to back to back to back before as like a um, quadrathlon, quadfecta. Yeah, that sounds like. How long does that take? What's the estimate? Uh, I think it was eight or nine hours. Okay, it was it was a lot of fun. Uh, I ordered pizza. Cool. I mean, honestly, that's that's one of the things that honestly, I, I think, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> Mario Party is an excuse. Mario Party speedrunning is an excuse to order pizza. Yeah, no, that's fair. I mean, I I think as I talk to more, uh, you know, runners who are often by by nature of me finding them probably streamers as well. Uh, one of the things I'm seeing is that like, you know, grinding for top times is cool and it owns and we all love it. Uh, but also, if we're going to stream that much, 
you need to do other things. And I think you already said as much that, you know, Mario Party can be that kind of RNG change of pace. But also mm-hmm. that does mean, you know, integrating it in other ways. And, you know, as you mentioned, that's, you know, socially doing it with, with other runners. Uh, you know, eating is important. So <laughs> doing that as yeah, well. No, I, I, I've been trying to, I've been trying to, like kind of move towards that i think i i think i kind of get what you're saying there like i for my streams i've been doing mario kart for three four five five hours is if i if i'm lucky um and then after that i'll i'll play another game after that um sometimes it's hyrule warriors sometimes it's hades and i wasn't sure if you were going to bring those up or not so no, I mean, I, I, yeah, I, I think I decided to focus on Mario Party because I feel like, um, I don't know, with Hades, uh, you know, that game just came out and uh, a lot of people, a lot of uh, games critics that I follow, like I'm big into like Waypoint Radio and stuff like that. Like a lot of them are just gushing over, over Hades. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, and there I are know. other people who are a lot better at that game than mm-hmm. me. Right, right, yeah, in terms of, of, of running it. But, like, also, you know, sometimes, you know, you can have games that you, you don't have to be uh, a top runner at, for sure. Um, but, I mean, it's good to have that. I, I think uh, what you're saying, where you have this different sort of game, I know a lot of the horror runners I spoke to, uh, you know, will do, like, marathons, where the, the focus is kind of removed from the PB, and they can play the same games, but they can do it, you know, with, with less of a concern about yeah. p being in an individual game um so i guess that's sort of you know I, maybe maybe yeah, that's I the think- point of this is the advice to to you know to runners who may be listening is that you know uh it's it's okay to uh sort of come up with other ways to engage with speed running that isn't just getting the pb oh yeah absolutely um i i couldn't possibly just grind for pb in this game I think I probably compare against personal best less than I compare against average tracks. I I prefer I prefer to compare against average and prefer to just run for consistency's sake um a lot of the time because grinding and resetting is it's a it's mentally taxing and I think what you mentioned with the horror game runners that's like a really great uh privilege that they have for running multiple games is being able to do sort of like marathon style things like that um and i've tried to do something similar with that like every once in a while i'll set like an endurance challenge for myself like 10 no resets of bonus tracks which i think is uh i i have i have 10 all tracks on my backlog but i'm gonna get into all tracks a little bit and get better at nitro and retro before i try to tackle that that's gonna be an event yeah, no, but I mean, also, but also, that's still, you still, I feel like with, even with all tracks, you mentioned that's an endurance run because you still have such a high density of input. Yeah. So definitely going for PB every day is, is not sustainable, in my opinion, or at least in, in practice for me. It might be different for some other people. Everybody is different. Sure, sure, yeah. And again, it's always going to be like everything in speedrunning. It's going to be on a on a case by case basis based on the you know the game and the runner. All right, let's start to wind this down. Let's get to sort of the exit stuff. Uh, one of the things I do in this uh, interview series is get a question from my previous guest for my next guest and carry the chain forward from there. Uh, my previous guest was the uh, Portal and Celeste runner M Sushi. Uh, usually I ask for a gaming and speedrunning question. Uh, M. Sushi called my bluff and said, like, no, ask your next guest, what is their favorite genre of music? Ooh. Thank you, M. Sushi. 
That's so hard because music is one of my one of my big hobbies. Or I, I really, I have a it, my only tattoo is music related. Um, my favorite music genre is progressive rock, progressive metal. Cool. I like I like my noodley guitars. Mm-hmm. Do you, would you cite any particular examples, either artists, songs? Oh yeah, um, check out the band Polyphia. Um, check out um, Animals as Leaders, and um, uh, gosh, there's there's a lot of really great bands. Covet is a great band, um, but they're a little bit more math rock e. I like noodley guitars. Noodley guitars are just very fun, and on on the uh, electronic music side of things, uh, I've been really getting into Camellia lately, uh, which is just like really heavy, fast blast beats and 200 bpm dubstep which has been also very fun to get into yeah no i, I hear that. that's honestly like of course of course enjoy your favorite stuff but also sometimes just discovering new things is is really good i know i think for me the past few years a few years ago a friend of mine sent me a future funk album and i have not Ooh. recovered from that yet um still yeah love <laughs> still love, kinda... love love some some deep round bass yeah um so I've that also, does mean, uh, i okay. also like some good funk yeah. love me some good funk wolf pack is great uh, i don't know if you oh, know yeah Wolfpack. yeah no yeah. they're good they're really good all right so that does mean though that i do need from you uh for my next guest uh who is a speedrunner uh and you don't know who they are i do though uh, but a general question, gaming, speedrunning, I usually recommend gaming speedrunner related. I guess maybe now I should broaden it to say a question yeah, that door, you would the, have for a speedrunner. The doors have been yeah busted wide open now. Um, okay. So M Sushi asked me favorite genre of music. So ask your next guest, uh, their favorite genre of movie. Okay. No, we're doing that. That's actually going to be, <laughs> I'm really excited for that. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to, I don't know. You might, maybe you'll recognize this name. I'm going to put it in, in the DM uh, sure. for a guest who's listening. This was someone else who also had a run at this past GDQ event. Uh, I'm very excited to, to talk to them. That of course will be uh, next week's episode. Um, all right. So right now uh, I always, as a, as a good exit question, looking towards the future, uh, are, are there any upcoming, uh, new games that you've been watching and that you're potentially excited to play? Uh, well, I've already mentioned Hades. That one's out. Um, I think as far as new games on the horizon, um, I'm getting really, really excited for Hollow Knight Silksong. Can't wait for that to get a release date tied to it. Um, that'll be awesome. And gosh, uh, Hades. Hades is so fun. I've just yeah, been playing no, so much Hades. I, I everything can't. is Hades right now. I don't blame you. Yeah. <laughs> it's been, definitely been fun. Um, the, there are a couple other uh, roguelikes that have come out recently that I want to check out that I haven't had the time to check out yet. Um, one of them is called uh, Nova Drift. It is a 2D bullet hell sort of roguelike. Um, it has it has the same difficulty system that Hades does, and it has the same um, pick one out of three options that Hades has. Um, so I'm interested in that game, but I haven't picked it up. That's called Nova Drift. 
And then the other game that I was interested in, um, I forget the name of it. It was, uh, it was about like working. It was, it had this really bright pastel aesthetic. Uh, shoot. Nope. I got nothing. All right. Well, it, it is Sorry. real. It is real. I'm sure the yes. game is real and it can hurt you uh, if, if it is found. Um, let's, let's, I, I feel like maybe we're, we're both running out of Steve here. So yeah. let's, let's get to the end. Uh, where should people, f- like, what are the projects people should be looking for? Where should they find you? Um, you can find me on Twitter and Twitch, um, Amber underscore CXC and on YouTube, Amber CXC without the underscore. And of course the, uh, the links to all yeah. those will be in the, uh, the, you know, the video or podcast description, uh, and uh, as well as, uh, links to some of the videos that we discussed the the Ars Technica video the GDQ uh, 2020 uh, video as well which is really worth again if you if you if you're like well I can't just dive into watching someone stream attempts and you want you want to know some of what's going on in terms of mini turbos NIST things like that uh, that's a really good uh, way to to get caught up as a, as a viewer uh, Amber thank you so much for sharing this time with me thank you thank you for having me this is a lot of fun but I do need one more thing. Uh, the way that I like to end these podcasts is that I'm going to use uh, a hopelessly cheesy catchphrase like let's boost on out of here. And then when I say that, I need you to give me your best uh, rocket engine noise. Oh, no. <laughs> Are you ready? What sound is that? So like, uh, <laughs> you know, like a okay, rocket I'll taking off, I'll right? Just yeah, just, just, <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Let's just go for it. Folks. Thank you so much for listening. Let's boost on out of here. 